God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I want to thank many of you, all, a lot of you, that uh, sent me uh, nice little birthday wishes for my birthday that was over the weekend. Had a great birthday. They just keep on coming. You can't stop it. Can't stop the, can't stop the train of time. But uh, in any case, um, no, I had a great time, and it was a great weekend. The weather was cooperating. It was all good. Um, over the weekend, uh, I was watching the fireworks between Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy, and I thought that was interesting. And I thought that one of the best interviews, actually, was the one with Jake Tapper of all. CNN, man. Making a comeback somehow. Fox News certainly has lost their way. And it's funny because during the interview with Matt Gates and Jake Tapper, they he was basically, I don't spend that much time over there anymore because Matt Gates has sort of pushed his chips all in for Trump. And of course, Fox News has become the anything but Trump network. And in fact, Paul Ryan has actually said that exact thing. And so Fox News is just really sold out to the globalists, sold out to the neocons. They sold out to Ukraine. Basically, they want to give as much money to Ukraine. They want to finance every war that can be financed. And they basically are the John McCain 2.0 network. The Lindsey Graham Network and the Mitt Romney Network. And, you know, it's just unfortunate because that was the only network that we had. But frankly, they really don't have the sway and swagger that they once had. If you listen to Elon Musk, who's going down to the southern border and exposing the truth, which is why the Biden Justice Department... Injustice Department, 
the Biden Injustice Department is going after all of their political rivals, whether it's from Elon Musk to to uh, Donald Trump. But they're not going to go after people like Mark Zuckerberg. And Mark Zuckerberg, he's smart enough to know it. He knows. So long as he keeps on carrying the water for the left, they'll leave him alone and he can just live the lavish life with his billions of dollars. And that's all fine and good. A billionaire doesn't like to get their hands dirty. A billionaire doesn't like, you know, getting roughed up. Doesn't need the stress. But Elon Musk is built from a different cloth, it seems like. Because he's not afraid to step into it. Which makes him an adversarial foe. And you wouldn't want to get into a cage fight with Elon Musk. Although Mark Zuckerberg challenged him to a cage fight, as a matter of fact. Mark Zuckerberg trains with the MMA more than Elon Musk and is younger than Elon Musk, probably would end up prevailing in, in, a, in an MMA fight if that ever took off. They were talking about that, the two of them getting together for that. But the thing about Elon Musk, though, is that he is all in on the climate there was a time when he was also all in on the vaccines and he was like, I'm pro vaccine. And now he's equivocated two years later, he's changed his mind. You know, one thing you could say about someone who's really smart is they're capable of admitting when they were wrong or they changed their mind. He also admits that he was wrong, that he voted for Biden. And I think he's starting to come to terms with the, uh, the unfairness of ESG because none of his companies are listed as a top company for environmental s- social governance. He, despite the fact that they're all electric. Hey, you got what you wanted. We're giving you what you want. But I'll never forget in 2017 how he pulled out of Trump's business panel of business leaders for the United States because Trump got out of the Paris Agreement, which was a bogus deal for the United States and a great deal for China. And it was really sort of like the enforcement regulation that was never passed or voted on by the American public. But yet, you know, sort of like the WHO taking over your sovereignty when it comes to pandemics, The Paris Agreement takes over your sovereignty when it comes to climate. And it doesn't allow you to manufacture in the West, but it allows everybody in the East, China and India, to manufacture and pollute and do whatever they want. And I think in large part, that's really sort of the catalyst to the Ukraine conflict. A lot of people don't tie climate with Ukraine, with Russia, But frankly, I think that green is, there is a connection with green and Russia. And the person who spelled that out the best was Donald Trump when he said that oil prices made Russia really rich. Because the, when the price of the barrel of oil goes over $100, Russia makes out like a bandit. But when Trump made America energy independent, 
it drives down the price of oil, it makes it very difficult for Russia to thrive financially. So, you know, the conflict in Ukraine could have been avoided simply by bringing Russia close close to the West and, and, and water down the price of gas, allowed Nord Stream to pro- proceed and bring Russia into the G8, G7, G8, and become part of the West. What would that have done that would have kept Russia away from China and the East? And now Russia and China and India are all going to start their own currency. They're going to not be bound by all these stupid regulations that Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and Davos every year push out that basically handicap every middle-class worker in the West. And we're losing all of our jobs, not only to international manufacturing coming out of China and India, India primarily pharmaceutical and Chinese, China making every other product. But we also are flooding and opening our borders to where we're losing all of our low-skilled jobs and labor jobs in America. What's going to be left for us? Over the weekend, I also saw a bunch of video where there are these eight German ships that are coming, going to Africa. They're picking, picking up a whole bunch of Africans, all fighting age males, Muslims, and they're dropping them off in Italy of all places. And Giorgio Maloney, the prime minister of her, in Italy, who happens to be somewhat of a more of a conservative, objected to that and said, hey, you know, we have to put a stop to that. We're, we're a new rule. New rule. The rule is that wherever your ship is from, if it's from Germany, you got to take that cargo, that booty, on the ship and bring it back to your own country of origin. So if you want to go and pick up a whole bunch of Africans and, and you're a German ship, you got to drop them off in Germany. And Elon Musk weighed in on that. And said, I wonder if German Germany knows this is happening. That they're using German ships to pick up all these Africans and p- import them into, into Europe. And again, at first blush, you're like, why are they doing that? It's destroying Europe. I mean, just ask Sweden. They can't even control their crime problem now. England is lost. And it's all these radical, liberal, social, uh, Klaus Schwab leadership countries where Klaus Schwab, in, you know, as he said in quotes, we will penetrate the cabinets. And we've done that since 1971 when, in, when we started. So, boom, he goes over there and he penetrates the cabinets like whether it's uh, Ruta in Norway or Trudeau in Canada, or they just have the, the goods on the puppet, ma- puppet Biden. 
And they're rigging the elections in order to win these elections. They're rigging them because people hate the leadership in all of these countries. In all of these countries, they hate hate the leadership. And the liberals that are left to vote for these are puppets. They're misinformed. They're ill-informed. They never want to have an, a, an honest debate, you know, with a time clock and a fair and fair and balanced debate. Even the debate between Trump and Biden, you'll recall, where uh, um, Chris Wallace basically cut Trump off when he was speaking the truth. What we now know is the truth about the Bidens getting rich from China was denounced as that's not that no one's proved that. And remember when Trump had the interview with um, Leslie Stahl, or I, I forget who it was, but it, um, and she said that's not true. You you can't prove that. And of course, everything that he said has been proven. You think she's going to go back and retract? And and too little, too late. You know the laptop, Hunter's laptop wasn't Russian disinformation. It was real. And if that would have been legitimized, it would have been game over for the Biden crime family. So the rigging of our elections was assisted and aided and abetted by not only the media, which represented a lot of value to the Democrat Party. Again, it's all unfair. And they cheat and steal and they lie, and they never tell the truth about it, and they get away with it because the media gives them a pass. Nobody's holding anybody to the ground, the grindstone. Take, for example, over the weekend, again, when they were trying to delay a vote, it was a Democrat, a Democrat congressman who basically pulled the lever. This is a guy that was ahead of a school and he pulled the lever for the fire uh, alarm system in the c- Capitol. Do you think he's going to end up like anybody in J6? You think? I doubt it. So, you know, so, yeah, here it is, too. This is kind of interesting. I, I just saw this for the first time. I'm going to go ahead and play it. President Trump's thoughts on socialist Congressman Jamal Bowman, Democrat from New York, pulling the fire alarm at the Capitol. I'll confess, I have not seen this. I I, I forgot the guy's name, so I quickly looked it up, and I uh, found this. This is kind of this could be interesting. Let's see. President Congressman Jamal Bowman to pull the fire alarm in the Cannon Building and disrupt the. Uh, so I think what Bowman? I don't know Bowman at all, but Jamal. Bowman, a congressman from New York, did something that was as bad or worse. You look at what's happening to the J6ers, and right. they're putting them Disrupted in jail for the years procedures. and years, and this guy pulled an alarm system, and to show you how corrupt they are, he then said when he got caught, he didn't know he was on tape. I mean, I don't know how you can be in the Capitol and not know it, especially after what happened. And he said, oh, he was trying to get into a door. He thought he was opening a door. It was a door two feet away. He thought he was opening a door. It's a red box 
that says fire alarm on it. <laughs> he thought he was opening it. This is the crap. And then they let him out because he's a Democrat, radical left lunatic. And he should be prosecuted the same exact way as the J6 people were prosecuted. And they've been treated, many of them have been treated more unfairly than anybody in the history of our country. And I don't know if I should be saying that because I don't know what these people behind me say, but I'll bet they agree with me. There's never been anybody treated so unfairly just about what they've done to the J6ers is terrible. And Bowman went and he pulled an alarm and you could add riots, you could add everything else and he did it during a vote. And he should be treated the same exact way. Yeah, and uh, he won't be. But what's the difference? He disrupted a procedure. Why the two standards of justice? I mean, the guy can't be that. And if he's that big of a moron, which sounds like he is, Democrat Congressman Jamal Bowman expect us to believe he didn't know how to pull a fire alarm, but I found these photos of him having class with the New York City Fire Department two years ago, is what this Dom Lucre said. I'm not letting them uh, this go. So he was a principal or something like that of the school, worked with the fire department, and they actually had a handbook in the school that says if you pull a fire alarm, you get suspended for 10 days. And if you do it a second time or something like that, you're expelled. So it's crazy. Here, let me, let me take a listen to this. And just before the House was scheduled to vote on that funding bill, New York Congressman Jamal Bowman pulled a fire alarm inside the Cannon House office building. This photo has just been released by U.S. Capitol Police. Congressman Bowman told reporters he was trying to get through a door and thought the alarm would open that door. His spokesperson says it was an accident and that the congressman regrets any confusion. Some Republicans in the House want Bowman censured for his actions. Capitol Police say they are investigating. And just before that, yeah, that's crazy. You know, absolutely crazy. The two standards of justice. We're a banana republic, folks. So, I um, I'm going to get to. I want to continue and finish up with the German NGOs and the shipments of people. And I'm looking at this map, and it says that they're picking them up. And dropping them off in countries other than their own, but they're also dropping them off in Germany. If German NGOs can ship migrants to Italy instead of much closer safe harbors in Africa, it it can go the rest of the way round to Germany as well. Maloney should be telling them they have to. And I believe that has finally come to fruition, that they are telling them that they have to. So... There are currently eight German NGO ships in the Mediterranean Sea collecting illegal immigrants to be unloaded in Italy. These NGOs are subsidized by the German government. Let's hope AFD, you know, Catholic Charities is doing the same thing. They're subsidized by the government to process and all these illegals coming through our southern border. You know that when every country is doing this, there's something about it. There's something, there's some windfall or benefit to it. It's hard for you and I to understand what the benefit could possibly be. But one of my theories, and we've talked about this a lot, 
it's not just a, it's not just about slave labor and it's not just about it's not just about election interference it's not just about importing voters it's not just about slave labor it's not just about those things those are obvious but there was this um Sam Kennison um Sam Kennison uh, point, a comedy sketch. I'm going to see if I can actually find this. Um, and, uh, oh, right here. Okay, I think this is, I think this is going to be clean, too. Um, but let's take a listen to this. I'm going to, and then, it, I'm going to, it, then it makes, a, it basically makes a point. Right here. If you want to stop world hunger, stop sending them food. Don't send these people another bite, folks. You want to send them something? You want to help? Send them U-Hauls. Send them U-Hauls, some luggage, and send them a guy out there that goes, hey, you know, we've been driving out here every day with your food for like the last, uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years. And we were driving out here a day across the desert, and it occurred to us there wouldn't be world hunger if you people would live where the food is! Oh, see, uh, there was a, uh, okay, so I, I, I stopped that. Um, all right, so he's basically making light of this, and he's saying, you live in a desert, right? So move where the food is. So rather than us giving aid and sending trucks and shipments of food to Africa, um, they're moving them to where the food is. So there's something to this. This is about 25-year-old, 20-year-old clip, audio clip of Sam Kinison. One of his funniest moments of all time on stage. But if you think about the point he just made, he was, he was basically telling the future. And then the other aspect of why they're moving these people to Europe is not just because they're moving them where the food is, and where the soil's rich and where they can get a job and where they can be part of a system. But they're stacking them up in these these uh, 15-minute cities. They're stacking them up in these high-rises. And they're practicing that, like when they, in New York. They're putting them up in these hotels. And in Houston, they're building these um, communities full of illegals outside of Houston. And, of course, the benefits are, I always, uh, I always say it's like a French cook. The French cook, you know, cuts up the chicken, takes all the fat and stock that he's going to, th- normal people would throw away, and they make chicken broth out of it, you know. So everything gets used in the kitchen. A good chef uses everything. Nothing gets thrown in the trash. Everything is used. And that's what the Democrats are so good at. They're so good at voting in blocks, staying together, power in numbers, and regardless of individual thought, they will just go like sheep, like a herd of sheep, and do what they're told by their leader. It's it's in their DNA. It's It's part of their mental condition. But, you know, and... It sucks. I think it sucks to be them, actually, but 
That's that's the only way they get power because they can't they can't win an argument. They don't have the argument. They don't they don't win the argument on its merits. That's why they have to rig everything. That's why everything has to be unfair. That's why they don't want to debate. Katie Hobbs, did she want to debate Carrie Lake? No. Joe Biden, did he want to debate Joe, uh, Donald Trump? No. No one, they don't want to debate. They don't want to have a discussion. They can't win when they do. And so anyway, this is going on in Europe. It's going on in the United States. It's happening with all these globalist countries, whether it's Germany, UK, um, France, uh, the United States, Canada. They're all doing it. And they're all doing it at the same time. Just like the pandemic. By the way, they gave Nobel Peace, Nobel Peace Prizes out to two scientists from none other than the Penn University, the most liberally liberal and most corrupt Ivy League university in the history of man, other than maybe Harvard, um, is, you know, because Harvard had the scientists that were actually shipping biotechnology uh, to China. They, they got busted. Then they had, um, in Penn, you know, they had... Uh, they had the Biden Center, and they were laundering money through China from China <clears throat> to help the Biden the Bidens out. So, but they are doing this, and I think that they're doing this because they're moving these migrants to where the food is. They're moving these migrants to where the work is. The the benefits are twofold: cheap labor, and uh, they can vote. They'll vote for the people that brought them their freedom, all right? And here, there's a video of them tearing up their passports while they're at sea and throwing their passports and their IDs off the boat into the ocean, polluting the, polluting the ocean. Migrants on their way to Europe throw their away their IDs. This way they can lie about their nationality, and not be deported. The German Foreign Office just bragged on Twitter that they were proud to finance NGO ships bringing these people to Italy, but the German government refuses to take them to Germany. All right, so then these are the NGO ships currently in the Mediterranean ready to pick up illegals and bring them to Italy. Malta, France, and Spain have all closed their ports Nine of these ships are Germans from Germany, financed by the German government. Imagine if the Canadian government was financing illegals crossing into the U.S. southern border. That's what's happening in Europe, in the European Union. And they're punishing Italy because Georgia Maloney has basically been a thorn in the globalist side, calling out what France is doing with the colonial Frank trading it for gold. The colonial franc is worthless on the world market, but valuable to the warlords that, and tribal lords that uh, receive the colonial francs. It gets them lap dances and escorts and huts and, and buildings, and they could buy luxuries. They could buy cars in their own local precinct, their own local region. 
the colonial franc has value, but outside of their world, the colonial franc has no value. So France is selling their colonialist, you know, uh, controlled countries. And they're basically giving them colonial francs in exchange for mining rights. So they get to mine for valuable things like nickel and cobalt and gold. In exchange, the leaders sell their countries out for a quick buck that buys them luxuries. And that's it. The German NGO ship called Humanity, subsidized by German Germany, dumps migrants in, in Italy. Europeans do not support this European suicide. So when will the big uprising take place? To come? You could learn from this. Learn from this. Find out what the tolerance level is. Find out when the bell breaks. Find out because... Human beings are going to behave the same way just about everywhere. And however long it takes for them to stand up, rise up, and say no more, that's going to be where we are because this is happening in our country too. We can learn from this. Migrants, SOS Humanity is a German NGO ship, so... um, there's that that ship we just talked about. It will receive almost eight hundred thousand euros from the German government to deliver illegal migrants, almost a million dollars. Because the eight hundred thousand euros is almost a million dollars. Germany says it's a moral duty to rescue migrants, but won't take them in itself. Hmm. And then Italy says finally in Reuters they report this. Italy says migrants must go to charity boats. Home nations. So if the charity boat is from Germany, it's got to go to Germany. It cannot re, uh, un, uh, it cannot empty its boats anywhere but its own country. The German government is currently funding these boats, as we mentioned. Migrants picked up at sea by rescue ships must be sent to the countries that support the NGO charities. Italian Foreign Minister Antonio Tajani said on Friday demanding that EU migration pact be redrafted. Uh, Absolutely. So there's the threshold. All right. Now, the big story of the day that we're going to cover today is we're going to cover Matt Gaetz's story. The Matt Gaetz story is kind of interesting. I have an interesting little twist on that that I don't think you're going to hear anywhere else. Um. On what I think might be the strategy for this. And I'll tell it to you up front because I'm going to also repeat it after we hear some of this audio. But I want you to put this in perspective. So basically, Matt Gates is upset with Kevin McCarthy. And Matt Gates has basically said, you know, that there are appropriations that are put onto this spending bill and they were supposed to be uh, taken out. And Kevin McCarthy promised, not only did Kevin McCarthy promise the J6 tapes be released, he never did that. He broke his promise. Kevin McCarthy broke his promise. Then Kevin McCarthy promised that, you know, we would have the impeachment inquiry. And finally, we got that last week, but he delayed it. 
So he sort of broke his promise there for a while and then sort of bowed the pressure and made good on it. And then also, he said he wasn't going to pass this big spending bill with all these appropriations, these add-ons, pork, earmarks, stuff like that. And so Matt Gates said he violated his contract with the Freedom Caucus and uh, I'm going to vote to, I'm go, he said he's going to vote this week to vacate the speaker seat. That's where we are. And everybody's sort of cracking down against Matt Gates. Everybody's come down against Matt Gates on this. And why? Why? Because all Matt Gates is really essentially saying is, I just want to vote on one bill for spending and we can get that passed. And then if you want to add pork on something else, put that on its own bill and see if people pass it. You know, like a stupid bridge in, you know, Georgia, whatever. People say, no, no, we're not going to finance that. And then they don't get it. But see, the only way you're going to curb government spending is if you break these bills up and vote on each item individually on its own merits, not bundled on top of something else that has to pass or the government gets shut down. And so that, to me, makes a lot of sense. That's the only way you're going to actually get control of spending, which is the only way you could ever possibly get control of the budget. But I don't think we could ever pay off $33 trillion anyway. I think that's just a bridge too far. We would have to, I mean, I don't know how you do that. So the thing is, is that even um, even Jason Smith, the head of Ways and Means, has come out and just trashed Matt Gates. He's the guy that's basically on the impeachment inquiry panels, and he's sort of heading up the chair of Ways and Means and cracking down against the Bidens. But again... I think we all can agree that this has taken way longer than it should have, right? It almost seems like it's a charade. You know, we all thought that uh, things were going to happen in the Republican Party. Um, and then they everybody talks tough, but nothing ever ends up happening. But with the, with the, with the Democrats and Adam Schiff and the like, they can impeach President Trump for, you know, a perfectly normal call with Zelensky which is so unfair or they could indict him for overvaluing his property when in fact the judge undervalued his property and is guilty uh, has worse guilt because he's more off the mark than Trump was on the mark with regard to valuation so it's just crazy you know and then you got Jack Smith the prosecutor and you got all these DAs in New York and and in Fulton County, Georgia, that, that are just out to lunch crazy with their politicizing of their position as attorney generals. In any case, here we are. And so I'm going to say that I, I stand with Matt Gates on this, but here's the play. And I, I think he's going to go down. I mean, I think that Matt Gates is going to get clobbered. He's got the support of someone like Ocasio-Cortez, believe it or not. 
that says, I want to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. And, but he doesn't have the support of his own party. Because again, the Republican Party's divided. But here's the, here's the unique perspective. This is the one you haven't heard. I don't believe you've heard this one. But I think this is the unique perspective that's going on with regard to this play. And I'm going to say this is a play. This is like a play like a, in a playbook, right? Like an NFL playbook, like a football playbook. And here's the play. The play is, is that Trump is obviously going to be the nominee for the Republican Party and the leader of the party. Correct? Got that. Matt Gates is going to come down as the stalwart of the Trump train. He's going to be, you know, probably respected as one of the most Trumpian congressmen in Washington. Okay? So he's going to have the support of the people. Because let's face it, Trump's got probably 70% of the Republican Party. And the 30 percent's divided up amongst a whole bunch of different candidates, whether it's Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, or Vivek, or, or DeSantis, or whoever, right? So, you know, it's great to be on the Trump train right now. And everybody sort of knows that all the McRhinos, whether it's McDaniels, McCarthy, or McDonald, McConnell, um, everybody knows that those are rhinos, right? And they don't have Trump's back. They would stab Trump in the back as soon as they possibly could, so long as it's not political suicide for them. They would do it. Everybody knows that. And everybody knows that McCarthy talks out of both sides of his mouth, and everybody knows that McCarthy is not all in with the America First agenda. Or he's not, and everybody knows he's not on the Trump train. So here is the play. Matt Gates is basically knowing that McCarthy at some point is going to fold under pressure like a cheap suit. And so what he's going to do is he's going to eventually be called out. And all of this spotlight right now is creating a lot of pressure on McCarthy for being the liar that he is. And the liar that he is is that he added those he allowed those appropriations to stand in keeping the government open for another 45 days. And so he, he lied and he sold out. He didn't stand by his guns. He folded under the pressure from the left. And eventually he's going to be called out. And this attention to this matter exposes McCarthy. And uh, the majority of the Republicans are going to basically ask questions for McCarthy. They're going to make McCarthy very uncomfortable. It's like, hey, where are the J6 tapes you lied about? Why are we not further along with the Trump, uh, with the Biden indictment or or, or, uh, impeachment inquiry? Why are we not? Why are you lying about the promises you made to the Freedom Caucus when they blocked their vote and allowed you to be speaker? under certain conditions. And he's going to have to answer those. And eventually he's going to fold. Now here's the kicker. When he does fold to the pressures of the Republican Party, when he does fold, 
The Democrats are going to point a finger at the Republicans for playing partisan politics. And at that moment, a guy like Matt Gates can turn around and say, I asked you at that time to get rid of McCarthy and you voted to keep him. Ah, that's the point. The play that Matt Gates is doing right now, knowing that the impeachment inquiry is going to escalate to impeachment, p- potentially impeachment, and the Democrats are going to play, accuse the Republicans of partisan politics. And basically, they're going to say, you guys are playing games with politics. And of course, it's like, you didn't with Trump. But they're going to blame the um, Republicans for this witch hunt, right? This impeachment inquiry. We're wasting time. We're wasting taxpayer dollars. We should be getting to the country's business of passing bills and legislation that fixes homelessness and whatever. They're going to say all this weird stuff, right? And Matt Gates could stand up and say, you had the choice to either vote McCarthy out or vote him in, and you chose to vote him in. So this is on you. So knowing full well what their play is going to be in anticipation of what their play is going to be a year from now, accusing the Republicans of playing partisan politics, Matt Gates is going to be the one standing alone saying, you had the choice to join me and vacating that seat and getting someone better into the speakership. And you chose to vote for McCarthy in. Vote him in. And that's where that vacate vote is going to come in handy. Because once they vote in support of McCarthy to stay in his seat, which we know is going to happen, those people that voted for that can't complain then and say, we don't like the job that McCarthy's doing. He's playing politics with the people's time and money. Do you get it? I mean, that is a brilliant play, I think. So let's take a listen to this. This is actually quite quite interesting, um, this, this interview with Jake Tapper. We're going to take a listen. Joining me now is the man leading that charge against Speaker McCarthy, Republican Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. So you have been threatening to topple McCarthy, issue a motion to vacate uh, the speakership uh, if he worked with Democrats to fund the government with a clean CR, clean government spending bill, which is exactly what he did uh, on, on Friday uh, and Saturday. The House gavels back in tomorrow at noon. Are you going to make a motion to vacate? Speaker McCarthy made an agreement with House conservatives in January. And since then, he has been in brazen, repeated material breach of that agreement. Uh, this agreement that he made with Democrats uh, to really blow past a lot of the spending guardrails we'd set up is a last straw. And then overnight I learned that Kevin McCarthy had a secret deal with Democrats on Ukraine. So as he was baiting Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution without Ukraine money, saying that we were going to jam the Senate on Ukraine, he then turns around and makes a secret deal. Now, I know you and I probably have different views on U.S. involvement in Ukraine, but however you think about that question, it should be subject to open review analysis and not some backroom deal. So, so I do motion intend- to vacate tomorrow? 
I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. Look, the one thing everybody has in common is that nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. He lied to Biden. He lied to House conservatives. He had appropriators marking to a different number altogether. And the reason we were backed up against the shutdown politics is not a bug of the system. It's a feature. Kevin McCarthy's goal was to make multiple contradictory promises to delay everything, back us up against shutdown politics, and at the end of the day, blow past the spending guardrails he'd agree. So how many Republicans do you think will be with you in your motion to vacate? Because obviously, for people at home who don't know, you need 218 votes to get him out of the speakership. You don't have 218 Republican votes. You're going to need Democrats. Let's start with the Republicans. How many Republicans do you have? Well, enough so that when you host this show next week, if Kevin McCarthy is still the Speaker of the House, he will be serving at the pleasure of the Democrats. He will be working for the Democrats. The only way Kevin McCarthy is Speaker of the House at the end of this coming week is if Democrats bail him out. Now, they probably will. I actually think that when you believe in nothing, as Kevin McCarthy does, everything's negotiable. Okay, but let's and I think be, he'll let's cut be, a deal with, be, with the Democrats. Let's be honest here, though, because if you succeed in, in vacating him, you also will have to make a deal with the Democrats. You also will have to get Democratic votes to kick him out. Uh, absolutely, I will make no deal with Democrats and concede no terms to them. I actually think Democrats should vote against Speaker McCarthy for free. I don't think I should have to deal with oh, so anything. so you're not going to cut any deals with them? Absolutely not. And I don't think that uh, any Republicans uh, that ha share my view on Speaker McCarthy would cut deals with Democrats. But here's the thing. I'm done owning Kevin McCarthy. Right? We made a deal at the end of Jan or in January to allow him to assume the speakership, and I'm not owning him anymore because he doesn't tell the truth. And so if Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy by bailing him out, I can't stop him, but then he'll be their speaker, not mine. So let's talk about what's just happened this last week, the government shutdown, because obviously, as you know... Okay, I'm going to interject. Do you get that? See, th now the Democrats own Kevin McCarthy. They voted for him. They asked for him. They want him. And then when the impeachment inquiry turns out to be an impeachment trial, and when J6 tapes are released, because Kevin McCarthy will bow to the Republican pressure, especially in light of this exposure, and you got Matt Gates on a liberal television show, it, you know, basically addressing the Democrats, it's a brilliant strategy. You, you got to see it for what that is. So it was important that he said, we'll make no deals. And if he keeps his, if, his seat, which he will, uh, 100%, um, the Democrats are going to have to own it. Because they had the opportunity to vacate the seat. So Matt Gates has put himself in a position where he wins either way. He puts himself in a position where he's going to win if he vacates the seat. He could become speaker, actually. Or, which would be a lot worse for the Democrats, obviously. Or he gets leverage over the Democrats for owning, voting, supporting, and wanting the guy that they're going to eventually complain about once that guy, Kevin McCarthy, bows to the pressures from the conservatives, from the Trump 
conservatives. You've made a lot of enemies uh, this last week. Yeah. A lot of people, I'm, I'm talking about House Republicans. I'm not talking about Democrats or the media. I'm talking about House Republicans. They're pretty angry. Take a listen. Unfortunately, uh, a handful of people, and in particular a party of one, Matt Gates, uh, have chosen to put his own agenda, his own personal agenda, above all else. He's not a conservative Republican. He's a charlatan. They killed the most conservative position we could take. Um, and then called themselves Dan the real Crenshaw. which is like, make that make sense. <laughs> yeah, now, the, the conservative Wall suspects. Street Journal editorial board wrote an editorial about what you're doing called a government shutdown for dummies. And among the criticisms, they said, quote, the real goal of the malcontent seems to be to topple Mr. McCarthy for personal spite. It's also pointlessly stupid with failure foreordained. Their constituents wanted conservative policies. But the Gates Republicans are playing personal games. What do you say to these conservatives, these Republicans? Well, I think what's really stupid is sitting atop a $33 trillion debt facing $2.2 trillion annual deficits while the world is de-dollarizing. Just in August, you saw the BRICS system uh, that is moving away from the dollar add six new countries, including Gulf monarchies, including even some of the G20 economies in so our own hemisphere. People at home, that's a BRIC is a, a Brazil, Russia, India, China. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and they are moving away from the dollar. You're seeing the African Union move away from the dollar. U.S. News just last month said that de-dollarization was the economic so, trend so, of, of our day. And so some people try to make policy disagreements personal because their own policy failures are so personally embarrassing. But, but this isn't personal, Jake. Yeah. This is about spending. This is about the deal Kevin McCarthy made. If Kevin McCarthy didn't want to keep the deal to return to pre-COVID spending, if he didn't want to keep the deal to have single-subject spending bills, not vote for government fin spending all up or down at once, then he shouldn't have made that deal. So this is about keeping Kevin McCarthy to his word. It's not about any personal animus or decision. So let, but let's talk about this, because Speaker McCarthy argues that he he had a bill on Friday that would have put forward less spending than what actually has now become the law for the next 45 days. That would have gone to the Senate. The Senate would have voted for their own bill. And then in a conference committee, there would have been a negotiation. And what would have become the law of the land for the next 45 days would have been less spending than what actually is now the bill. Take a listen to Speaker McCarthy. And look, I welcome those 21 back in. And we would get a better and more conservative bill if they would simply vote with us. Their argument is your point about debt and deficit spending, which is not an inaccurate point, was actually harmed by the stunt, by the temper tantrum of the government shutdown. Well, that argument presupposes that the Senate was going to take up or conference that bill that McCarthy wanted. You already had Schumer speaking on the floor saying that they weren't even going to take that no, but up. There would have been a conference committee and there would have that's been, had to have been a negotiation. First of all, that's never so what you're saying is that something would have occurred that has never occurred to negotiate a continuing resolution. I have never seen a conference committee in my seven years in Congress, and I don't think one has occurred since the mid-90s, where a continuing resolution has ever been conferenced. So you're asking your viewers to believe something that has never once happened. What has happened when the House has passed a continuing resolution is the Senate merely negotiates the feature of that continuing resolution by sending back what they want to send back, which is what they did. So we were always ending up here. Here's, what I want to, well, here's why I want to break the fever. Since the mid-90s, this country has been governed by either continuing resolution or omnibus spending. And you have voted for continuing resolution in the past. Well, I'm, I'm five years sober voting for continuing resolutions, and I should uh, know line. that during those years, President Trump was growing the economy. 
But January marked the a difference. Deficit. Yeah, and you know what? Growing the deficits I, as well. I regret growing having, the deficits as well. But we were growing the economy, and look, look. You're talking about the national debt. You were growing. What did he? What did he add? Seven trillion dollars, eight trillion dollars to the national debt. Donald uh, Trump? And by the way, I voted against ten continuing resolutions under Donald Trump. I did not stand with Donald Trump on all of his spending priorities. I voted against it way more My than I voted for. My point is, well, I don't know what this shutdown did. To help the cause. What, shut, what oh, shutdown? The, the shutdown that almost happened. Okay, so there, would, there wasn't a shutdown. So the, so the, threat, shutdown of, the threat of shutdown that you created. We have to break the fever. We have to move to single so subject spending a, bills. So you broke a fever? No, we didn't, unfortunately. That's the, why we have to now move to vacate, because we have to get a system where the House and Senate will negotiate over each of these agencies of government independently. And I understand that in divided government, that means that you have to take into account the views of Senate Democrats, the views of the White House. But what you I want to do, you course, understand? That? Of course. Because you're on the floor of the House talking about what Kevin McCarthy needs to do is to allow line item vetoes by people that, like that's you. That's not true. Line though. item votes against the salaries of people who are investigating Donald Trump, the salaries of individuals who are offering sweetheart deals to Hunter Biden. That, to me, is not the language of somebody who understands the balance of power in House and the Senate well, and how it, all legislation actually functions. Well, I, that I is, think that I do. Is, that, to me, is the language well, Jake, of somebody who is looking for uh, clicks and likes and Fox hits, not somebody who actually is trying to reduce the debt. Well, I, you, you might want to check Fox. I haven't been hitting there as much recently. What I can tell you is that the way the legislative process works as a 12-year lawmaker in the state and federal level, the House passes legislation, the Senate passes legislation, and then you work to iron out those differences. I believe the best way to advance the interests of the American people is for the House to take the most conservative position and then engage that negotiation. Where that negotiation has failed all Americans of all stripes is when it centers around what ornament you're going to hang on a continuing resolution or an omnibus bill. The responsible, sober, adult way to handle this is with individual spending bills open to amendment. And by the way, if people don't want to vote for the amendments that reduce salaries or cut spending or engage in programmatic analysis, they can vote no. And then the voters can hold people accountable. But the reason we sit atop a $33 trillion debt is because a system has been designed in Washington, sure. D.C. where no one is responsible for the spending. But where are you I want to force the votes. And here's what you're missing. McCarthy agreed to this. So you may not like this deal. You may think that it's too many votes and too much governing. But McCarthy agreed to it in January, and his breach oh, of that agreement I don't have an opinion on it one problem. way or the other. I, and, and I actually agree with your position. Yeah, he does. And you know what? That is uh, – I thought that was a brilliant uh, exchange. They both gave each other time to talk. But uh, Matt Gates put himself in the position where when – Crap hits the fan uh, with respect to McCarthy folding under Trump's pressures uh, and doing the right things. And the Democrats complain about McCarthy doing what Trump wants him to do. Uh, it's going to turn out to be you were the ones that voted for and supported McCarthy's speakership. Well, that's a brilliant play, I think. And I think that Matt Gates is going to come out a winner on that. And I support him. Um, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to make a donation to magapack.org to help keep The Scott Adams Show commercial-free. Also, use Red State as your promo code over at mypillow.com, and we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye.